Hello and welcome. My name is Temp. I'm Axial. And I'm Herfie Durfee. And this is Go Mode, a Link to the Past randomizer podcast. Guys, there's no time for chit-chat in this episode. This is going to be jam-packed. This is the pod episode, guys. The, would you say it's the pod podcast? <laughs> uh, personally, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> okay, very good, very good. Good. But yeah, my, my I do respect what you did. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we have a lot of things to discuss in terms of pod, and that will be our feature for today. But there's also been kind of a lot of rando news in, in the community, so we have a lot to cover. Yeah, so Tim, where do you want to start? There's been uh, a lot of developments. Yeah, well, I think the first thing, probably the biggest news right now, is uh, this fall tournament. Um, you know, some of the best players, uh, still a pretty wide pool of players. The qualifiers have officially ended, and we're now into uh, the group stages. So, um, can I pass it over to one of you, one of you guys, and maybe uh, give us an idea of how these rounds work, and uh, then maybe we can maybe talk about some of the individual uh, races that we've seen. Yeah, sure, I can take that. Probably being an admin of the tourney, you know. Kind of uh, gives me unique insight into the going on. You've got the job. It's yours. <laughs> so it's official. So, oh, go ahead. Sorry. What did you no, mean? No, I was saying this is the official, you know, tourney admin stance. Oh, God. Yeah, don't make yeah. it too official because I'm going to say something wrong and then everyone's going to hound me forever. But okay. These are just Herf's views, everybody. <laughs> I do not represent blah, blah, blah. No. Okay. Anyways, uh, the groups in that we currently have have six players each uh, from the 96 that made it onwards. I forgot the exact number, but I'm pretty sure we can figure that out. Uh, I think it's... Oh, God, I'm, I'm doing math life. I don't know. 96 uh -oh. divided by <laughs> six, you guys figure it out. That's how many groups we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll link the uh, challenge, too, in the description. You guys will be able to see all this, but yeah, uh, exactly. continue. You can check it all out there. And... Um, each player has to play each other player in their group three times. It's not a best of three. It's just three games against each other player. Oh, we've got uh, 16 groups. We've got the math already. 16 groups of six players. Yep. Thank you, Axe, for uh, doing that no complicated bit of calculating. You're a numbers guy, right? So that's, perfect. That's my, yeah, my job. So I pulled up the calculator and, and did it for you. <laughs> So uh, everyone has to do a total of 15 matches, you know, uh, you got to play five opponents each three times, it's not a best of three. And the way it works is you get a bunch of choices in what modes and uh, different variations that you want to play. Uh, the way it works is that for the first game, the higher seed seeded player chooses uh, what he wants to play. For the second game, the lower seeded player chooses that. And for the third match, we have a bot that will randomly choose uh, your mode and variations that uh, you're gonna play where each player can input one veto uh, of their choosing and uh, then the bot will spit something out and have them have them have a go at it. So that results in a lot of races. Mm-hmm. We're gonna they, be having been... uh, a total of 720 races at the end of the group stages plus any tiebreakers <laughs> that we might need. Oh, wow. <laughs> Hope y'all like rando, because <laughs> there is a lot of rando going down right now. And um, as we've mentioned previously, this is pretty fun because this is the part of the tournament that has all kinds of different uh, types, uh, game modes in it. So we've been exposed to a lot of these 
you know, game modes that I think a lot of people hadn't seen before. And initially, in a previous episode, I had, you know, expressed a little bit of trepidation about that, saying that, you know, I really kind of, I really, I really like the standard and open, you know, the more basic modes. But I have to say, I've really been enjoying watching some of these uh, variations, too. Yeah, I mean, seeing the, the first competitive, really, uh, inverted races has been a real treat. Yeah, I think it's definitely been interesting. And uh, what I personally think was sort of expected by a lot of people, but I still think it's interesting to see it in practice, is that uh, a lot of the higher-seeded players are choosing all dungeons as their mode of choice, as uh, opposed to just, you know, the defeat Ganon goal that you normally have. Uh, just to... Um, I don't know how to really what to really call it. I guess to protect themselves against the randomness. Yeah, I mean, I I saw that all dungeons play as really a way to lower the variance. You don't have to worry about oh, what if there's you know red cane in a, a pendant ice you know right before cold stare. You know that you're gonna have to go in there and get the pendants. So those sort of chances that maybe you're you, our opponent knows that they are the lower seated player and they're going to play more gambly. Uh, a lot of those gambles now aren't really gambles anymore. It's just a change in the routing order. You're going to do ice and before pod, or you're going to go and check dark death mountain earlier, even though, you know, you know, you're going to have to end up there anyway. Yeah. And one little tidbit that I especially like about the all dungeons, it's a really stupid little thing that means nothing, but I, I really like seeing people defeat Aga 2 and then they mirror back from the pyramid just to get their Aga Tower and their Aga 1 out of the way because that's what you gotta do in all dungeons. <laughs> uh, I just think that's a, f a funny little thing thrown in there at the end. Yeah, you, you go from the excitement and hype of the GT climb to the fairly, you know, by the time you're doing Aga 1, uh, that late in the game, there's not really any threat and the Aga 1 fight is, uh, as I'm sure all of us and all our listeners know not exactly the most exciting fight yeah we just covered that one um, it's almost like a little uh you know just kind of a brief sort of pause before before the final boss it's, it's kind of nice you know brings brings things down for just a moment yeah. but yeah so so question for you uh Herfie and uh tim are there any particular groups that you have really been keeping your your eye on you think there should be some excitement that our viewers can uh, can see as we move into sort of the the second third of the uh the, the group stage matches you know i gotta be honest with you with uh, my admin position which i don't mean to come you know taunt all the time it's just or flaunt all the time i should say it's just that seeing all the group chats and uh, having to set up all these matches and work with everything it kind of melds together in my head like i can't even really tell you who is in which group right now yeah and, and i would actually sort of second that really you know i'm looking at the list right now all i can really say is there are a lot of familiar names um, I think there's a lot of names that I've seen uh, people participate, you know, a lot of the races that I've watched on YouTube in some of the earlier tournaments, and I see a lot of those familiar names. And, you know, we've been tracking this since the beginning, so I'm seeing a lot of these names that, you know, we've seen in restreams and things like that. Um, I mean, the way that they spread this all out, they did a pretty good job of, like, it, there are, there's kind of a good mix of recognizable names and new names in each one. You know, there'll be maybe three or four names that you've seen around and then two or three that you haven't. So that being said, when just kind of looking at where we're at right now, it's kind of shaking out the way you would think it would. There, there's They have a match history over on the right side on the challenge, and it tells you whether that person has won a race or lost it. And 
we're seeing a lot of the wins at the top. You know, the, the people who are uh, seated uh, number one in their groups are mainly winning a lot of matches. And the ones that are at the bottom are, are coming up short a lot of the time. So there haven't really been too many shakeups that I know of. And as I said before, there's just so many of them that trying to, you know, watch every single one of these and, you know, keep tabs on them that way is going to be very difficult. I just say you just keep your ear to the ground, you know, speed gaming, uh, ALTTP randomizer, uh, Twitch TV channels, and just try to, you know, whenever you have a little bit of time, there's probably one of them being restreamed. So that's my recommendation. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of looking through and uh, the point values seem fairly well distributed. You, you don't really see, uh, with the exception of maybe uh, uh, there's one group here, group I think group K and group, uh, there was another one, uh, maybe it was C, mm-hmm. um, where people are really running away with it. Um, you know, you usually see maybe the leader has three or four points, the second place has three or four. Um, you know, you, you aren't really seeing a big, uh, big gap developing yet. Now, some of these you look though and you see, for example, group F. Um, which is, or sorry, Group G, uh, you've got, you know, Wayne right now with four points, and second place is uh, Matt7898 with only one point. Um, now, maybe that's just because a lot of matches haven't been played yet. If you look, the, you know, Andy is uh, number three in that group with zero points, but that's because Andy hasn't played any matches yet. Mm-hmm. And then the other three players at uh, also zero points but because they're either 0-1 or 0-2. That's yeah. one that's still pretty early on, but that, you know, that's a four-point lead is pretty big out the gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost kind of too early to, to call any of these groups one way or the other. But as as I mentioned, you know, Kyung92 has five wins right now. Uh, Jem has four wins right now. They're both leading their groups, J and K, respectively. There are definitely some favorites emerging, but still a lot of rando left to be played. In fact, do we know how long uh, this this is going to go on when the, the final cutoff date is for these matches? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I don't want to say anything wrong, but it's definitely going to go until AGDQ, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure if we're, if we're going to be in the bracket stages already by that time. I think we are going to be. I know we're going to have a break for AGDQ for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will be at AGDQ, so the tournament will kind of put me on hold for that week. Uh, people will be busy watching AGDQ anyway, so... Everybody should watch AGDQ, yep. yeah. Uh, no speaking of that, a quick shout-out for, for GDQX, which was last week. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see they did a uh, a showcase, uh, Link to the Past, cross with uh, Super Metroid Randomizer, and uh, it, was a, it was a pretty fun one. Uh, if you folks have got a, got a few hours and... You want to see something different and you also like some super metroid uh go definitely check that out yeah, yeah absolutely we'll put a link in the the description of this episode i'll write it down so i don't forget <clears throat> that was definitely a good one it uh it didn't quite as you would expect it to I, I i would say that's about the only thing i want to say about it yeah no no spoilers on this podcast <laughs> yeah exactly you know i i hate spoilers um, <laughs> cool okay so as I mentioned, we have so much to talk about. Any, anything else we want to talk about with the uh, the fall tournament? Um, well, <clears throat> I know, Tim, you uh, you had your first uh, commentary role uh, just a couple days ago. Yeah, How'd I did. How'd that go? I did. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, ever since first finding out about Randomizer and watching on YouTube, you know, and hearing the commentary, it was something that, um, you know, as we've mentioned in the past, really kind of 
made all of us gravitate towards it. And so it's always been something I've been interested in. And finally, you know, passed the the test and was able to get one scheduled. And um, I was commentating alongside uh, Vitasia, who is a, a community vet at this point. Um, had a ton of fun uh, commentating that match between OS 101 and 1UP. I'll go ahead and link that in the description if anyone wants to check it out. Also significant because it was uh, retro mode. And I believe, um, and you know, someone shout out if this is incorrect, but I believe the first one uh, of the tournament that was restreamed. So it was, I think, a lot of people's introduction to retro, which was really cool because it, it is a really cool mode. And it, it tweaks the logic and the routing and things you have to do in just like very small yet specific and crucial sort of ways. So... I had fun talking with him about that. Looking forward to doing some more of them. Um, so, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I'm very glad uh, that we got both of you guys approved as commentators. I know there were some uh, some worries for a while because it took a while. And then, you know, people thought they didn't do too well on their quiz and all that stuff. But it all worked out in the end. And I'm glad you guys got approved and can now help out whenever you can and want to. Yeah, yeah I'm... Uh, is also approved. Yeah, yeah I'm calling... Ax. Tonight's match, uh, I guess, depends on where you are in the world that it's tonight, but it's, uh, it is going to be uh, JTB versus Solsky, an all-dungeons standard with an uncle-assured sword on hard mode. That's going to be on Speed Gaming 2. Now, this is getting recorded on Sunday, so folks, you'll have to go back and, and check that in the archives, but it'll be me and uh, Demon RHK. I had a chance to speak with them this morning. Uh, they're, they're comms vet, so... Uh, Looking very forward to working with them and uh, really excited to calm my first match. Hopefully it goes well. Awesome. Yeah, I'm assuming that by the time this episode posts that there'll probably be a YouTube rebroadcast up. Um, we'll, we'll find some way to hopefully be able to put that link in the description for everybody. So, uh, And then Axe also wanted to quickly mention, uh, got a restream. And I think, <laughs> was this the very it, final it, Fallifier? It was. It was It was the very final Fallifier match, which is my last Fallifier uh, spoiler alert, everybody! I did not qualify, but uh, <laughs> uh-huh. that's okay. I uh, I really appreciate the fact that I got picked, and uh, you know, had a, an okay race for me. But uh, what I really like, and this is something that I want to give a in a shout out to the tournament organizers for, is I think there were a lot of new players that this was their first tournament, and they got a restream, they got a chance to to showcase their skills and get an interview in and and talk. And so, uh, you know, major props to everybody for doing that, and to of course all of the uh, trackers, restreamers, commentators out there, uh, you know, putting the work in on all those matches because I'm sure it was a, a very challenging uh, thing to follow four matches at once. It's hard enough doing two. Yeah, it's it's definitely a bunch of work. I'm I'm not a huge fan of the quad restreams. I think it was the fairest choice for the qualifiers for out of God knows how many people that played in all of them. Is still not a whole lot, but you know it's the best that we could do but it's always a bit of a strain on the commentators i feel like it's it's hard to give everyone the attention that they deserve axe did you feel any more like nerves or anything like that knowing that you were being restreamed <laughs> oh yes i i was like i uh I, I can't think of any really bad plays i made i think i may have died on mothula or something like that but i could feel the eyeballs on me and uh hmm. I, uh, the other thing I was thinking is like, okay, I need to remember to talk about that in the interview because that was an interesting thing I did or saw or something around those lines, and I want to see what the commentators thought. Yeah, it's fun to go back and, and rewatch those. Yeah. Um, 
So I know we have uh, two other little pieces of news. Um, we've got, and we'll, we've got a slight update to the 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 uh, V30. We got V30.3. Mm-hmm. Um, any any thoughts on V30.3? Um, it's it's pretty rote to be honest. Uh, I I've looked through it. We'll go ahead and put a link to that as well in the description. Um, it, it's pretty normal, you know, bug fix type stuff. But there was something that I thought was pretty cool, and I wanted to shout out since we have talked uh, at length about sprites in the past. They <laughs> added a really cool page to the website that actually shows you the names and authors of all of the sprites. I like the very first one is Link by Nintendo, um, <laughs> which but, is fair, uh, it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got it. Um, but it's really cool because it, it blows them all up so they're really easy to see and you know some of the ones that might be uh, it, you know sometimes it's tough to tell what they are you get an idea of kind of what the author was going for and i think that's cool that you know we're able to feature them that way and especially being able to credit them because i know it probably takes a lot of work to put those in so i just thought that was cool wanted to give that a shout out man the blacksmith link is really cracking me up right now let me see <laughs> <laughs> the head is really tiny yeah it's it's just nice seeing them blown up like this because previously you kind of had to go in and and go to the uh the github itself and kind of try to figure it out that way and look but now they're just all here and it's it's so nice um but Tim, there was there was another another little update that the developers made i don't know if you had a chance to take a look have you uh either of you felt a uh, a spooky chill down your your spine lately uh, I'm looking at the randomizer website and there is a new uh, page that's been added to the main navigation in nice big colorful letters. It says play festive randomizer. And have, have either of you had a chance to play festive randomizer yet? So this was released on Halloween, which was last Wednesday, a week ago. Uh, and from that time until now, I've pretty much been nonstop going with real life stuff. So I haven't had a chance, but I, uh, really am glad. I was glad to hear that you got a chance to play it because I really wanted to hear a first person account of what this is about. I've heard a little bit of chatter, seen some screenshots, but it looks super fun. Tell us all about this, uh, festive randomizer. Yeah. Um, so I had a chance to play a little bit of it. Um, did not finish the seat, but got about halfway through and, then I got too scared because I'm just a you know big baby. But um, it's really there a lot of work went into this. So I don't know uh, if we're going to put the screenshots up on this or not. But you can tell right from the start it looks different because Link's house is not Link's house anymore. Link now lives in a grave under the ground, and right from that start you could tell things are going to be different. You've got some custom music that they put in. Uh, they have the overworld theme being the This Is Halloween song from The Nightmare Before Christmas, which I am not going to sing, uh, but it's very well done. And, but you uh, could sounds... if you wanted to. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but th- they did a really good job with that, and it gives a very nice spooky feel. And then the dungeons are the Halloween theme from the movie Halloween, uh, which makes the dungeons feel even more uh, spooky and scary. But the big change is that... Uh, all of the enemies, including bosses, have had their sprites shifted up. So, for example, uh, Blind, instead of looking like her, you know, scary demon self, uh, instead has a pumpkin head and, you know, is a, a cool, you know, pumpkin person. That is and so awesome. all of the enemies are spooky looking. Another really cool thing is instead of collecting rupees, now you get candy. 
And uh, because there's no cash, because everybody's gone candy crazy, all the shops are free. So it can actually change up the way you're routing the game and thinking about things. Because, hey, if you need bombs, you don't need 50 rupees to buy them. You just walk in and grab them. And uh, probably the last, and uh, I know there was a slight bug fix, or not really bug fix, but change to this, is that Link now has the the blood of the werewolf in him or her. He has lycanthropy, uh, right? Yes. So uh, if the moon should go, you know, behind or, you know, appear from the clouds, Link will transform into werewolf Link, very similar to, you know, wolf Link from... uh, the uh, twilight princess yes thank you twilight princess yeah um so how that works is uh link will not be able to use any y button items with the exception of the book and the mirror the book because werewolves are very smart and like reading and the mirror because werewolves are also very vain and like looking at themselves and seeing how luxurious their their manes are but i'm sorry uh, Ax, are you, are you making this up or no. did you read this somewhere <clears throat> um yeah it's on the actual um so if you click on the Festive Randomizer page, it will tell you that you can use the book in the mirror. Oh, okay. um, and I think that's just to prevent you from accidentally locking yourself somewhere. Um, but uh, the the other mo- notable change will be that you move very, very fast as Werewolf Link. So if, in fact, actually faster than dashing. So if you have the Pegasus boots and dash as the werewolf, you actually will move faster if you aren't dashing because the werewolf is very speedy. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just a really interesting mode. It's, uh, I don't think anybody's ever going to seriously race it, but you never know. I could be wrong, but I think everybody should give it a shot and give it a try just because, you know, Halloween was, uh, at the time of this being posted about last week and, uh, it'll be fun for us to all get together and have a good spooky time. Yeah. I love it. it. It, like you said, it's clear that a lot of work went into this and I just think it's so cool that they would just do this and just release it and let us all kind of enjoy it and it as you mentioned it it actually legitimately kind of changes up the game in a lot of ways which is also a ton of fun so um props to them uh to the the team that put this together and if you click on that play festive randomizer on the alttpr.com website it credits them uh we have walking eye sauce k3 fish uh kevin cathcart zarby 89 and of course vtorp so shout out to you guys and thank you so much for uh, giving us that that spooky uh, randomizer option that we have now. That's so cool. Um, I have a question, Axe, about the werewolf mode. Is it tied to the timer at the top that you see? Uh, I'm not sure. So that's the other thing. There is a timer at the top that counts down from, I think it starts at 2 hours and 30 minutes. And it, as far as I played, and again, I didn't complete the whole seed, but I never got any timers that would add time to it. But I believe it... It, maybe it is, but I never noticed. I uh, I did, however, turn into a werewolf when I was doing uh, Thieves Town. And, as, of course, when you're a werewolf, you cannot use any Y button items except the mirror and the book. And I had just gotten to the room where you need to throw the bomb to uh, oh. to get blinds uh, thing open. So I just kind of had to stand around and twiddle my thumbs or I guess my claws. Thumbs, <laughs> claws. I don't know. But I had to do that for a couple minutes till it turned back. Uh, the original, the fix I was referring to was originally, I believe that you would, you would stay in werewolf mode for 10 minutes. And I think they very quickly realized that that was not very fun. So they changed it to, I don't know what it is now, but a lot less than 10 minutes, I think maybe two and a half or three minutes. Oh, okay. Because I, I also only got like half an hour or so maybe into one of the seats that I tried to play before real life caught up with me. But 
I never turned into a werewolf and I was wondering if that timer was like any indication of how long I would have to wait until it turns to night and I was like two and a half hours seems like a very long time I'll hopefully <laughs> be done with the seed before that timer runs out you know yeah but um yeah so everybody go go give it a shot um if you have any spooky thoughts feel free to uh you know leave us a comment or email and we'll uh We'll see if anybody else got really scared. I, I got scared because I didn't have the lamp and doing the dark rooms while the ha- in a pod while the Halloween music plays just makes it very scary. I was wa- really worried that they added, you know, Michael Myers and he was going to come in and, and attack, you know, Link. So, so much for like a nice transition or whatever, but there is one more thing that I wanted to talk about. And this is... A new tournament that has actually been started, the idea of it is to uh, be, be something for people to participate in who didn't make this main fall tournament, and it's called the Challenge Cup. I want to first mention it, it seems to have been started by uh, six members of the community. I'm just going by the admins in the uh, Discord for this, where everything's being organized. That's my best guess as to kind of who to credit here, um, and that's Alizun, Recitador, Ridley Dragon, Trezco, Ultima and Zelnus, and apologize for I apologize for butchering those names if I did, but um, I guess they kind of got together and decided they wanted to put together this tournament. It's actually working very similarly to the current fall tournament. Uh, there are rounds of six players. Um, we need to play each other three times. There are different uh, ver- um, sorry uh, modes. You know, different kind. You can pick the kind of mode that you want. The first player. Uh, picks the first one, the second player picks the second one, and then the third one is uh, randomized, just like in the um, just like in the fall tournament. And uh, we've been unsuccessfully trying to schedule uh, races for the past week or so. Different real life things keep coming up, and either I have to cancel or another person has to cancel. But it's I, I would say same thing with that one. Still far too early, I think, to be able to say too much about it. But I might reach out to um, some of the admins and see if maybe we can uh, have them maybe write something up and be able to send people to it. Because as far as I know, there's really just this Discord right now. And if you're not a member, then you don't really know anything about it. But I do think it's pretty neat. And I I wanted to be able to um, give people updates on that. Uh, As I mentioned, I am participating. So we'll we'll see how that goes. You guys have any other like questions about it? Maybe that'd be kind of a good way to handle this. Yeah. uh, So how many people and so first off, was it only limited to people who participated in the fallifiers? Or was it open to everybody? Yeah, the idea was for it to be people who didn't make it into the qualifiers, but there was actually a little bit of controversy. I'm not going to name a name, mainly because I don't remember who it is conveniently, but there was one person who I think dropped out of the qualifier that is somebody, the qualifiers, and it's somebody who very much could have made it to the tournament. They have, you know, in the past been very a very strong player, decided not to do the qualifiers, and then signed up for this tournament, which is a little bit like, uh, like, okay, you know, I, I have... I have some thoughts about that, that, you know, like you, you had a chance to participate in this tournament. Now you're going to the one that's for people that are maybe not as experienced, but still want to play. So anyway, um, but to answer your question, it uh, looks like there are I'm trying to see how many people are signed up for this tournament uh, on the challenge. I don't really see that readily available, that information, but I'll keep looking for it. Ask me something else. Um. It also works with the same number of, uh, you know, people can can pick what modes they want, and then there's a, a veto, and then a random pick for the third one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same way. 
Um, and you just you know reach out to the people and you're uh, every, everyone and you have to be in the discord to be in it everyone was put into a different group and there's six per group and you just have to reach out and schedule them um and then as far in our group i'm in group c it's been very like do you want to pick first uh like there's been a, like no one really cares who picks first as long as someone just does it so one person will just kind of step in and, and do that and then you know you play that match out you have to report uh, whether you won or lost to um, the one of these admins for the challenge so they can log that it's kind of an honor system because the stakes are pretty low like you know i know we say this every single episode but we'll talk more about cheating later um but there there aren't really any cheating deterrents here because it's like why why would you want to but um you know more of an excuse to play rando i'm gonna try to get one in uh this afternoon um once we're done recording here and and really kick that off in full gear so um, yeah, but we'll we'll continue to uh, cover this one and hopefully be able to provide a little bit more information for everybody. I think there's also a couple more modes to choose from and stuff to combine. I think there might be an option for entrance randomizer, which I don't think is in the main tournament right now. Hmm. That's cool. Uh, as far as I've heard, anyway, I have to say I'm not very involved in it because the main tourney is keeping me busy, so I don't really, you know, it's completely community organized. I mean, the main tourney is too, but it's just, you know, not something we really look into very much, to be honest. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm trying to get the number of people. I want to say it's about 108, something like that. It's a little over 100. Okay, well, I, I hope everyone feels nice and updated on what's going on in the Rando community, because now it is time to step into the darkness. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to this. Alrighty, let's go. Okay, Palace of Darkness. Ah, oh no. Yeah, oh boy. Here we go. So the reason we're sort of like, I don't know. I it's When we were talking about the Aghanim episode, we were putting on this false like, oh, you know, I don't want to do it. Because it's kind of a joke that you, you don't want to go to Aghanim. So we were joking like we don't want to talk about it. This one, I'm sort of hesitant to talk about it because it's really confusing. There's a lot to cover. There's a ton of keys, a ton of locked doors, all kinds of different routes you can go. Um, a lot of tricks you can pull off here. So we are going to do our absolute best to cover everything that we can. And hopefully you come away after listening to this episode with something you can use the next time that you have to dip into pod. Um, so that's that's where we're at. It's, you know, I'm excited. To, I am excited to, to jump into this, but I'm nervous that we might, you know, miss something. So as always, be sure to reach out to us, email, discord. You'll hear all the ways you can do that at the end of the episode. Let us know your thoughts on, on pod and, and other things we can use that to help everyone get better at their routing there. So that being said, let's let's get this kicked off, guys. Um, how do you get to pod? Let's start with the basics. Well, I mean, before you can even get there, you probably want to get to the Dark World, which uh, seems to be a very important point to this one, since it's our first, you know, Dark <laughs> yeah, World that, Crystal Dungeon. Yeah, that's going to be all of them from now on, for the next, like, 9 or 10 episodes or so. Mm -hmm. So, uh, specifically for this one, we want to have East Dark World access, which you can gain through various means, I would say, uh, depending on which equipment you have available. Uh, the first and foremost everyone is uh, probably thinking of is the good old Aghanim one fight. You defeat him, you spawn on the pyramid, you can just walk right over the pot if you want to and have the money. Then mm -hmm. uh, you also can get there with the flippers. 
if you have uh, the Dark World Axes, or with the flute. And uh, I suppose if you have the hammer you can all, and the glove, you can also get there uh, from the Swamp Palace warp. Right? You just yeah. walk down and then hammer up on the bridge and off you go. Mm -hmm. The hammer is intrinsically tied to pod because in vanilla, the hammer is where you, pod is where you get the hammer. So there is a super convenient shortcut that utilizes the pod, uh, the that utilizes the hammer and the gloves. Uh, that's right. It's just south of the area uh, the Eastern Palace is in. It warps you over to Dark World, and then you just head right up, and you're you're basically at pod. So the hammer is is a great way to know if you've got an early hammer. That could mean that you're going to go to pod pretty early. Mm -hmm. um, but without the hammer, there are still ways to get there. Um, you know, as as Herf just kind of detailed. Um, another thing that you're definitely going to need on your way to uh, pod is the bow. Now you can go without it, and we'll definitely talk about that. And there are a lot of times where you want to go without it, but the bow is required if you want to get down to Helmosaur King and collect whichever pendant or crystal is there. Yeah, absolutely. Without the bow, you definitely can't finish the dungeon. You can go in there, and as you just said, Timp, oftentimes you want to go in there, but you you won't be able to finish the dungeon without the bow. Mm -hmm. Now, if you do go without the bow, hopefully you at least have a bottle, because you'll be able to pull off something called a bottle glitch, which helps you to uh, bypass one of the bow-locked areas. But even with that bottle, you still won't be able to make it down to Helmosaur King um, due to a statue that you're going to have to hit with one of your arrows. So you've got to have uh, that if you want to do a full clear. And then even if you want to just dip in for the first time to open up Pod, you got to have 110 bucks on you. That monkey. At, at the very least. Yeah, at least. Yeah, it could be even more if, if you get hit. Um, so so on your way in, in the area that is normally Sahasrila's hut, there's a big hedge maze. You'll remember from vanilla uh, ALTTP. Um, you have to kind of navigate your way through that. Uh, when you come out, uh, come out the other side, you're going to be followed by Kiki, the extortionist monkey. You... Uh, I, I, you're charged 10 rupees right off the bat when you just get him, right? Uh, then you have to walk up to the Palace of Darkness and bring the monkey to the entrance. Uh, he jumps up and he presses the button, but he charges you 100, 100 rupees for the privilege. So if you come here without 110, you're going to get stopped real quick. For most runs, it's not an issue. You're usually kind of at a point by the time you get Dark World Access here that you don't have to worry about that, but... You'd be a fool to not at least glance up at your rupee count before you head here. Yeah, definitely don't sleep on your rupees because, uh, as you were saying, the first time he comes to you, you only need to pay 10, so you happily walk over to the palace, and then if you don't have 100 left, he's not going to open anything for you. Oh, and every time you get hit, he runs away, and you have to go back and get him, and that's another 10 rupees. Yeah, it can get very, very frustrating, especially because you've got those... Uh, <clears throat> those monsters there that like to jump and if you miss time where they're going to jump they will go right in your face and uh, keep doing that nice thing though is uh, Kiki won't run away if you dash so if you've got the boots and you can just dash right through it yep uh, so another thing that you probably want to have when you're heading to pod is the lamp it is as we all know uh, dark rooms are a thing it's possible to go through a room that is dark without a lamp navigate your way through it and uh, that is the case in pod as well. You can definitely do that, but I'm going to tell you these, this, this is probably the hardest dark room 
that anyone expects you to know. Uh, we we mentioned last time in Aghanim's, uh Tower, that's those are the hardest dark rooms, and that is true. But almost no one even learns those because they're not practical. This is the hardest series of dark rooms that are actually very practical and could give you a real advantage in a race. So it is absolutely worth your time to loot to to learn them. But there's dark maze in there, and it is tough. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But if you have a lamp, you're probably going to feel a little bit better about going over. Um, or maybe if you're in a race and you're a better player, you probably feel better about going without it because you know that's sort of an advantage you could have against your opponent. Yeah, what yeah. Do I... Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, I would definitely <laughs> agree that uh, these are up on the scale and difficulty for dark rooms. Uh, and I don't know if I'd call them the hardest dark rooms, but they're definitely up there in the top. And the dark maze is, is nothing to mess around with. Yeah, I, I actually won a race once because Lamp was in the vanilla big or a vanilla big chest in Turtle Rock, and I was able to do Dark Pod. It was long and difficult, and definitely I would have had my butt kicked by a more experienced runner, but I was able to muddle my way through, and my opponent unfortunately was not able to. And because of that, just he you know tried and tried and couldn't get through it and forfeited so if you want to you know if you start feeling like oh i can do eastern palace no problem you know i can go do the old man in my sleep go give pot a try make that their next dark room area to start checking out yep um and in terms of items that's it although do make sure that you watch your bomb count because uh, there are quite a few uh, areas in pod where you do need a bomb to make your way through uh, so so just watch your bomb count on, on the way, especially with V30, how, you know, it's the, the upgrades are a lot rarer. So you're you're going to want to make sure that you've got, I would say, at least five just to be safe. I think three is be the absolute minimum. It, having boots is going to help, too, because there are some walls that you can dash through. But anyway, just just make sure you get some bombs. Um, now, when we talk about when to go to pod, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. The big thing is going to be the items that you have, you know, which we really have you know covered in pretty good detail already but it's it's five items so it's like when do you want five items you know and when you do you should go yeah i think that's a pretty good you know first indication if you think if you have everything to get through there uh, and even if it's a pendant dungeon you know the item density is pretty good and it, people kind of dislike pod but it's still oftentimes very worth it to just go and finish it off. Yeah, one other point I'd like to make is uh, if you haven't done Eastern yet, let's say you know you did South Shore and got your hammer, got your boot, or got your uh, glove, and got your Moon Pearl, uh, if you can finish Pod, you've got a very nice play where right outside of Pod, if you hit the mirror, you're right there at Eastern. So, you know, if you're haven't done eastern yet and you got pod on the menu consider doing both at the same time yeah pod into eastern i i try to always do that whenever whenever i possibly can it can sort of backfire in some ways because it might make you put off pod until you have the mirror which you can very much do pod without it um but yeah if you can do both free and clear and you need to do both consider going to the dark world first doing pod coming out the entrance, immediately mirroring, and then going back in. That's that's a nice way to, to save a lot of time running around Hyrule. 
Um, yeah, it's one of those typical I want to do this mirror place kind of like Catfish and Zora. If you can, just try to do them together with a mirror. Totally. Um, another thing I will say though is, you know, we've we've mentioned quite a few items at this point that you that you need in order to be able to do varying parts of Pod. But as we mentioned, there are some glitches. You know, the aforementioned bottle glitch that lets you get past a bow locked area. Um, knowing your dark rooms, which helps you collect at least three more chests, um, more actually, um, it's worth it to learn this stuff because it's going to give you a, an advantage in, in a race. And if you wait around, you know, oh, I don't have the bow yet, so I'm not going to go. Um, there's there's a chance that the logic's not going to let you go until you have the bow, unless you know this glitch to kind of get past that. So my advice is just to you know take these seriously, learn some of these glitches and things like that because it, it really is going to help shave quite a bit of time off of your runs if you're able to make these these gambles because they're good ones speaking of glitches uh pod is also home to maybe the second most famous zelda bomb jump that you can learn and do which will be the hammer jump where That's you right. manage to set up the bombs on the falling bridge right where the big chest is just so that it bombs you over the railing into the big chest which can save you a key or get you great items from, you know, the big chest or the dark maze, depending on what else you find in there. But uh, we can talk more about that when we get to the actual wonderful key logic that is pod. <laughs> or we, you know, try to wait our way through it. Exactly. Um, yeah, the hammer yump. Um, I guess it was it got its own name because it's from the NMG run, and it normally is a much faster way to get the hammer but it has a lot of practicality in rando too. So the, the, tr the name of the glitch is, is carried right over. Uh, okay. Let's, I think, I think it's time. All right. So this place, uh, by the way, it's good to have the mirror if you can, um, just cause there's going to be a lot of times where you mirror the entrance and continue on cause it's going to be faster than backtracking. But as I mentioned before, you don't have to have the mirror. So don't let that stop you. There's always death warps and things like that. You know, you can get away with. So, um, this place has notoriously complicated key logic. There are 14 item locations total. As we mentioned before, five items in, you know, standard randomizer or open or, you know, a, a normal mode like that. Uh, there's the five items, compass, map, big key, and six small keys, uh, which really makes things confusing. Um, this is the first dungeon that we've covered that has multiple different routes where go mode versus full clear can make a, a really big difference. So we'll we'll spend a little bit of time talking about that um, when you know at the end when we discuss our go mode routing. Um, all right, I just walked in the front door. Somebody tell me what to do. Go go left, and I say that because the middle door is always locked with a key, and uh, the right door. Well, it's going to take you a little bit to get something, but if you go left, you can get an item really quick. Yeah, and you're, you're also immediately going to find out if it's technically bow-locked or not. Yep, that's right. And this, this uh, location down here is called the Shooter Room. Um, if you go to the official randomizer site, alttpr.com, and generate a game, there are uh, lists of items. Uh, there, there's lists of locations, and they all have sort of, I guess, what you call official names. And uh, this one apparently is called the Shooter Room because it's got three shooters in it, or two shooters in it, right? Um you just go down to the bottom, you hit a uh, button under the pot on the bottom left of the screen, you walk over and you get your chest. 
Um, this could be uh, an, a key, which would tell you that this isn't bow locked because it means you could go back up to that main room, walk through that locked door and kind of, you know, check some more checks from there. Uh, or if it's not a small key, that means that the game expects you to now go to the right side and do this bow locked portion we've mentioned a couple times. If you can, if you have the bow, great, you know, you're going to be using it pretty soon. Um, if you have a bottle, you can pull off the bottle glitch. Um, and I think it's pretty much about time to discuss that. So does one of you guys want to set up bottle glitch, kind of what's going on there and how to do it? Sure. Um, and once you, let me see if I can get all the rooms correct. Once you go down the right side, you go down a set of stairs and walk through a little teleporter on the floor. There's uh, two, I think, exit teleporters and one entrance in that room. And once you teleport through there, you appear in a room with two anti-fairies and a hint tile at the top. Yeah, gotta get that hint tile. Mm-hmm, gotta get that hint So while you're here, grab that hint and then you can either bomb or bonk open the bottom wall. And uh, then you'll end up in a hallway that's full of those blue jelly enemies that zap you if they're electrified. Uh, so it's probably the best to clear them all out if you can. It doesn't really matter too much, but it's a good idea. Uh, and after that, you again bonk or bomb open the wall on the left side. And then what you do is you walk all the way to the right so the camera moves with you to where you came in. And while you're walking to the left and the camera is moving, you drink your potion that you have. Uh, gotta make sure that you can actually drink it. So depending on what kind of potion you have, you, you might need to get hit to lose some hearts or use some magic to lose some magic so you can actually refill and drink it. And then once you've done that, you want to kind of rub up against the top wall and... Uh, Enter the door that you bonked open on the left side as far to the right as you can. So just kind of, you know, push up and let the let the pixels guide you in themselves. And once you did that, you will have offset the camera, which makes it possible for you to move all three mimics in the next room off camera, uh, which makes the door think they're all dead. So the door that's normally bow locked will open for you with the mimics just being moved off camera there. And that's how you can proceed uh, to two more chests up there without actually needing the bow. Yeah, I mean, they're off screen, so they must be dead, right? <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> that's yeah. how it works. My name so, is A Link to the Past. <laughs> so before we, we get more and talk about uh, what's up next, I had a question for, for us to discuss, which is, so let's say you, you do get a key from the shooter room so that you can go you know, to the middle instead of going through here and playing with the mimics and all this, does it ever make sense to go and do the mimics in this right side area with, when you get a key to start out? I mean, um, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, um, I'm not exactly sure. I guess I would think that, you know, if you go right side, that's, you know, you're going to get two items basically at the end of that, like Herf said, uh, so it feels like you probably wouldn't want to skip those. I don't know if there's some situation logically where you could be assured that you're not going to need those. I guess you are essentially gambling on doing the rest of the dungeon and hoping that there was, I don't know, a key and something else there. I, I don't know if it would ever be two keys, and I think if it was, it would probably lock you out of the rest of the dungeon logic. So my thought is you probably want to do it anyways, but if, if I'm wrong, somebody please correct me. I think I would do it at the end, 
when like if okay. I plan to save and quit out anyways. So I'd go to through the middle door and check out as much as I can from all the rest, including, you know, dark maze and all that stuff in the back if I can reach it, assuming. And then if I still haven't found what I need there, I would probably check those two locations and then I would just save and quit and do whatever my next step in the plan was if I couldn't finish pot by then. Yeah, Herf, I, I kind of have the same thought that you do on this, especially because uh, in, in this particular room, you know, when you get to the area that has the the two chests, uh, you will be able to, you know, so to clarify for everybody, after you beat the mimics, whether you use the bottle glitch or the bow, you will walk down a long corridor with some some spikes and some blue and red jellies. If you've got the boots, your best bet is to probably line yourself up on the uh, the side there and dash up. Otherwise, uh, it's probably best to you know walk as carefully as you can, and uh, and know that it probably will save you time to wait a second for the spike rather than getting knocked back, especially on the first half because the conveyor belt in both cases move you towards the door. Uh, on the second half, you may actually be benefited by hitting into the spikes because it'll shoot you. Uh, you know, you'll still be able to keep moving forward instead of getting bounced back and then moving back further from the conveyor belt. But then when you get through that room, you're in a, a room that has a chest, uh, three jellies, and a bombable wall. And the side of that bombable wall is a chest, so you'll get your two pickups here. And if you have the hammer, you'll be able to hammer the uh, the pegs, I guess. The pegs have like a face on them and they're laughing they're like at little you. little moles or something. Yeah, yeah. they creep me out. <laughs> uh, they, they creep me out too, but you'll be able to hammer those. And if you have, if you're in go mode at this point, you'll be able to just shoot right into the back and go fight Hummusaur. So to what, to get back to what Herf is saying is if you have checked everything else and these are your last two checks, you can just move right on to the boss. So in terms of routing this, in the event that you do get a key, it probably does not make sense to come and do this area first. Now, that being said, Rando has a lot of probability in it. You could have a situation where the big key is here or you know, the the hammer is here or, or some other kind of situation where you've really, really needed to come here first before you did everything else. But uh, generally just thinking about how the logic works and the, you know, majority plays, uh, I think coming here second is probably going to be your better call. Very interesting. Okay. I did want to go back and mention real quick that that uh, chest that is at the end of that bow-locked portion, that, that right side arm, is the vanilla map chest and then when you bomb that wall and, and walk out that takes you to a big room called the arena and so this is called the arena ledge chest so that's those two also wanted to mention real quick that area uh, where axon mentioned you can you know hammer uh hammer the pegs and then jump down um there's some guaranteed bombs under a uh, skull pot to the left each one has one and then the other side has arrows if you did need those which you, you know arrows are required for this dungeon so that could be good to keep in mind Mm-hmm. All right, so let's let's assume, though, that you did not get that key to start out with, and you did have to come and do uh, the right side and go through the mimics, and you were bow-locked. Uh, where should we go now? All right, so uh, use the hammer and you jump down there. Don't forget to hit this crystal before you walk out, because you're going to immediately be confronted by uh, blue pegs there, uh, the, the kind that you hit with the crystal, and you're going to have to walk back in the room and hit it and 
you're probably going to be like saying some bad words while you do it and cursing your, your your forgetfulness if you're anything like me. So do remember to hit this crystal and then you head out and this takes you into the arena that we mentioned. Um, so the, where you go from here is sort of complicated to describe, but basically you want to make your way out the southwest exit. Um, you're going to be chased by a lot of hard hat beetles. You're going to have to push a block near the southwest area of the um, of the room. But that that's essentially where we're trying to go for for the next checks. So that chest is the vanilla big key chest. We are headed towards the vanilla big key chest because you're going to walk through the uh, out that door, leaving the arena and go to sort of this main hall area that we'll be in a few times. Um, there's a crack in the floor um, that you would bomb right here. That's going to take you down to get two chests. Uh, there is the big key chest that you mentioned. Um, you do need a key before you come down here, but if you took the right side through the bow area, then you've been guaranteed a key at some point through there. Um, so you'll use that key and it will take you up some stairs. That's the vanilla big key chest. And then you can jump down and it takes you straight to a check called Staffo's Basement where you can uh, check the second um, chest right there. Uh, and then that's going to, you can either mirror to the beginning or you can take the portal back up because our next goal is to go back to that main hallway. God, this is getting confusing. Oh, I, hope, yeah. I hope any of this makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, it's a, you know, I have a, a map up and it's still a little tough to 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 follow folks, uh, you know, just because there are so many options to go through here. Um, in particular, this discussion around the, the big key chest. Uh, one thing that I have seen a lot, and again, I'll you know, I'm just trying to interject some some discussion here for mm -hmm. our, our co-hosts, is I see a lot of runners skip this vanilla big key chest check. And, uh, you know, talking with them and, and thinking about it myself, I notice a lot of times that this can be a small key. And so because you need a small key to get it, if there's a small key in it itself, you haven't really gained anything. You just have wasted the time to check this. So... You know, are there any thoughts that you guys have about how you can tell maybe this is going to be a small key? You should bail out. Um, you know, well, how, how would you approach that? I, I have a couple of thoughts. Not really how you can tell because I'm not sure if that's possible. It might be, and I just don't know it, so don't take my word for that. But I think it's uh, comparable to the vanilla big key chest in Turtle Rock where very often you're gonna get a key for a key. You need to use a key to get to the chest, and then once you open the chest, you get another small key and you gain nothing and lost like, I don't know, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, depending on where you are. But every now and again, it actually does have the vanilla big key in it, and then you'll very much regret skipping it. And in Rando, even more so, I have very few times, admittedly, but I have a couple of times seen that chest contain an item that was required, like a flute or something. And, uh, yeah. I would say uh, a general rule of thumb for pod, uh, as a dungeon anyways, is that it's very front-loaded with keys usually, thanks to the not-too-friendly key logic in that place. And just to make sure that you're never soft-locked, you'll often have a very front-loaded pod that is you know front loaded with keys and i there, think oh sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say real quick there is a popular phrase that is attributed to pod that is also often attributed to mullets and that is business in the front party in the back 
lots of keys in the front, the first five or six chests or so, um, to help you unlock all the many doors that are going to contain all that party, all those items. Yeah, and uh, I think in general it's a good idea to skip the chest at first, but you should definitely keep it in mind. I mean, if you if it does have the big key, you'll notice sooner rather than later that you absolutely do need to check it. But if it has an item, you probably won't find out until you've cleared out the dungeon and killed Helmosaur. And then it's the age-old question of, do you want to go back in for one more item, or do you just want to gamble that that's not going to be the item that you're going to need to finish up the seed? Yeah, and so basically if you do decide you want to uh, skip the vanilla big key, you need to head to the Staphos basement uh, the other way from going, um, I think it's right side from the from the beginning of the dungeon, right? And when you walk down there and take that uh, portal, you can make your way into that room uh, and, and just check that one by itself. Is that correct? Yeah, or you can just go from that main area where you can bomb the floor, you go to the right bridge and move the fall the pushable block out of the way, and then you can jump down to the right there. That's it. Okay, that that's what it is. Cool. Okay, so if if you're keeping track of your keys, just know that there's a there's a chance that some of these keys you could use a key to get a key. So just be aware of that and uh, you know, if you're really serious about executing you know getting a lot better at this uh, logic in addition to listening to a podcast about randomizer which is really good also go watch some more races and and watch how you know other people handle these situations you know on the fly um you know especially from tournaments and higher higher levels of play because uh, you're, you're going to see this on display so anyway let's let's continue on with our walkthrough uh, trying to give some some tips and tricks kind of along the way um once we have uh Okay, so so you got you either got or didn't get those chests. Um, the next one you're going to want to go to is the one back in the arena. Um, it's the arena bridge chest. So if you're going from the entrance of Pod, go straight through. Go to the right when you get to the room with the two turtles that are walking towards you, uh, and then there's just going to be a chest right there. Um, from here, you need to activate that crystal, uh, or you'll probably need to activate it. The way you can tell is if you can see the two blue ones uh, up in front of you, you're good to go because you're going to be able to head straight up. But a little bit beyond the screen, there are some orange ones there. So you need to hit this crystal to uh, ensure that you're able to walk back to the falling bridge that we're heading to. So um, how are we going to hit this crystal? It's it's really hard to see from here. Yeah, so there's a couple ways. Uh, I, my favorite way, personally, is using the red boomerang. It is literally the only use the red boomerang has, but the red boomerang moves slightly further than the blue one. Uh, so from where that chest is in the arena, if you use the blue boomerang, it will not reach it, but the red one will. So you can use the red one to hit it. Um, second option, if you've got the bow, if you stand just a little bit below that chest, you can actually get an arrow to stick in the crystal switch. It's, uh, it's very, very precise, but uh, once you get it a couple times, you'll sort of have it down and be able to get it more consistently. If neither of those are options for you, either because you don't have the bow, uh, aren't someone like me who loves picking up the red boomerang, or you're not entering from this particular spot, let's say maybe you're, you know, you're in a gambling mood and you just did right side and now you want to go to the back, um, there are two things that you could use. Uh, you could use the red cane, uh, put a cane block down, detonate it, and uh, that'll switch it for you after you cross back over um, you know, again, we're talking that you're, in this case, you're standing down in the main arena area uh, with the beetles and the bumper. Uh, so that's one option. 
A second option uh, is you can use a bomb, and you can throw a bomb there, uh, wait for it to explode, and uh, then that will also allow you to get your way through here. Excellent. So, uh, the, but we're we're headed back to um, the. We're trying to get to the north of the room. There's one hard hat beetle there, and then a locked door. Surely you've got a, a key, or hopefully you've got a key at this point, so you can go ahead and head through there. And uh, this room, this one was really memorable to me from playing, you know, vanilla A Link to the Past as a kid. Uh, this this room right here with the falling tiles. Um, there are two super annoying beetles uh, on this bridge. Um, first of all, you're going to have to pick up a pot and then you'll encounter the first one. So most people just pick that pot up and they just toss it right at that first beetle. That's easy. But there's another one up here. Um, it's not that hard to get past. I usually just juke him. You just go to the left. He goes to the left. You go to the right at the last minute and then walk past. Um, but there, there are a number of different ways that people can kind of deal with this guy. He does need to be dealt with though, because if you just try to walk forward, he's probably going to hit you and knock you off the bridge and it's going to waste a bunch of your time. So just um, be, be ready for that guy. This is also where the aforementioned hammer yump happens. And it's especially stressful because you do it on this falling bridge where the tires, tiles are falling. And you really have a very serious time limit as to like how quickly you have to be able to pull off this bomb jump that uh, jettisons you over to the ledge with the, uh, the, the big chest on it. Um, do we want to get super into, you know, how to do the hammer yump? I personally, I've never pulled it off in a run before. Um, it's, I would consider it a pretty sort of advanced strat. You have to do some pause buffering to kind of get to the right frame. And yeah, um, I, I've right never place. even pulled it off in practice. Uh, I tried practicing it for about an hour one day and could not get it to go right. So I have never even done it in practice. <laughs> Maybe we can just talk a little bit about, you know, Okay, so why would you want to learn the hammer yump, or should you put time into learning it? Like, when when is it beneficial to do it? So the two things that I can think about at the top of my head is uh, one thing you can do is you go through the dark maze either with or without lamp, depending on how comfortable you feel with the dark rooms in here. Uh, through the back way, so you start at the big chest, you bump open the wall. Uh, and then you walk all the way up, open the locked door from the inside, and you can continue right onto the right side that we're going to be getting to in a little bit here, which kind of, you know, saves you. It's just uh, efficient routing, I would say, because you don't have to go to the right side and finish all that up and then walk back to the left side, make your way through the dark maze, and then mirror back from the big chest, or even worse, start uh, death warping in the dark maze so you can get back to the entrance. And uh, the second thing was something that I mentioned a little bit earlier is if you do not have enough small keys, but you want to finish up the dungeon, uh, you can hammer jump over there, uh, clear out the dark maze, and then go back and walk over the normal way and just save yourself a small key on that locked door on the left. And that might enable you to go all the way to Helmosaur and be able to kill him because you'll need one small key to get through the basement. Yeah. Uh, hammer Yump's kind of like hovering. Like, no no one's saying it's not useful. Like, it's super useful. It's just hard. <laughs> you know, and you have to decide how much of your life you want to spend practicing this glitch. You know, it, it, of course it's, it's beneficial, but it, there's always other things that you can practice that are probably going to make you better faster, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not a super priority, I would say. Uh, probably, you know, working on execution or routing in general is going to be the most beneficial yeah, although it does look pretty cool, and it's pretty impressive to see, see see someone pull that off too. So, I will give it that. 
Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I have seen people do on this falling bridge that's definitely not too difficult is you can get out a bomb and actually bomb the crack that's in the wall uh, over there so that you don't have to waste the time doing it while you're in the dark maze. So I can, I can get behind that. That That's a nice little time saver, I guess. Yeah, that's something I typically try to remember doing uh, just because it'll save you a couple seconds of waiting in the dark maze. Yeah. So once you make it to the end of the falling bridge, you could head to the left to go into the dark maze or you could go right and there's a few checks there. Um, let's start with the right side because uh, that has more locations. Um, right right when you head into the next room, there's a chest just kind of chilling there waiting for you. This is the vanilla compass chest, so there's a freebie for you. Enjoy that. If you... Uh, well, let's do the dark basement first. So the, the two... Um, the two doors at the north of this room both head downstairs and they both head into the same room. This is known as the dark basement and it's one of the easier dark rooms, I would say. So you've got uh, the final walk into the boss's lair in the middle of the room, but that's completely sectioned off by walls. And on either side, depending on which side you went down, there's long blue passages of uh, a bunch of blue rupees. So that can be kind of cool if you are still in a position where you maybe haven't checked Zora um, or you're worried about you know needing to buy some potions or something like that for some safety. You can collect these rupees. There's, there's going to be quite a few of them if you get all of them on both sides. But also at the end of this hall... Oh, by the way, there's anti-fairies, so don't hit those. There's one on each side. Um, at the end of this hall, there's two item chests. There's dark basement left and dark basement right. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, as a dark room, it's really just two straight shots down and then there's kind of a U at the bottom. Um, so it's pretty easy to, to find your way around in this one. Yeah, yeah I think... but... <laughs> no, go ahead, Earth. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, I, I think this one isn't too hard. And once again, a room where it's relatively easy, assuming you have uh, a fire rod, but no lamp to hit the torches that are on the left or right side, depending on where you go down. They're in a relatively convenient spot. And uh, hitting those will make this, you know, infinitely easier. Yeah, no, no yeah. shame in that, absolutely. I will say one thing. Um, whenever you open these chests, if you are in fact doing this in the dark, just check your inventory and see what you got, because sometimes the item doesn't show up. Just doesn't show up at all. Yeah. I just don't know what you got. <clears throat> I uh, definitely haven't had that happen to me twice with the Titan Smith. <laughs> two, two times. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I yeah. believe the dungeon items and uh, capacity upgrades, which now don't exist anymore, I think those show up in the dark, but the rest doesn't. Yep, so two times I uh, went through here and did this area dark, and both times I got my Titan's Mitt. Both times... Well, first time I didn't didn't realize that I had it. The second time I hit pause, didn't look right at the glove, didn't realize that it was a gold glove instead of a silver glove, and proceeded to check the rest of the map before the Titans emit. So yeah, if you are down here and you're doing it in the dark and you're collecting items, just... Make sure that you mentally make a note to, when you pause, look at your items and make sh and see what is new there because it's very easy to pick something up here and then because there's so many other checks coming up, uh, not realize that you've in fact gotten something. The more you know, 
<laughs> All right. I think that might have been the first singing ever on the show. I'm not sure, though. Um, okay. Let's. All right. So we, we finished our dark basement. Let's head back up. Um, we're back in the room with the turtles. There's the door to the south. Um, this is known as the Harmless Hellway. It is a reference to the actual, the just regular Hellway that is in Thieves Town. Um, except this one is harmless because even though there's spikes and a corridor going back and forth, you can just walk over to the left-hand side where that treasure chest is. And if you needed to keep walking down, you just push the statue and uh, the spikes harmlessly clink on the other side of it and you walk through the south door. So, very harmless. Um, but this, I will say this item is another one of those where you're basically spending a key to maybe get a key. So if you're flush with keys right now, it, it stands to reason that you there could actually be something in there. If you don't have a lot of keys, you might just be using a key to go get another key because you need at least one small key to get to Helmosaur King at the end of the dungeon. Yeah, it, right now, if, so if you've gotten through all this and you have five keys, don't check here because this is going to be your sixth key. Yep. Yeah, it's really, for me, it's just like if I have one key... Like, I'll go do Dark Basement, and if I still only have one key, it's like, all right, well, it's, it's, it's just gonna, I'm just going to be spending a key to get a key. Now, it is also a slightly faster way to get to the boss, so maybe you want to do that to just, like, you know, make your life a little faster. I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, I think if you've already... I think if you have the mirror or not makes a big difference. Because if you have... So let's say that you're coming up from the Dark Basement, you've got the mirror... And let's just say to make make life easy, you've got five keys. You know that Harmless Hellway is going to have a key. Or if Harmless Hellway doesn't have that... or Yeah, Harmless Hellway is going to have that key. So when you go and you do the Dark Maze and you just mirror back, uh, that'll probably save you a bit of time. Now, in the same scenario where you don't have the mirror, it's probably worth it to go in there and grab that because it'll be faster to go out than it will be potentially to, you know, take enough damage that you die yeah the other thing is normally people are doing this side of the dungeon the party section that is the back of the dungeon first and then doing the dark maze second so you're you're not going to finish your checks here and be ready to go to the boss unless you know you're in go mode in, in some cases you're going to be probably at the end of dark maze and then mirroring and, and being completely out of this section it would be a huge waste of time to just go back to the harmless hallway so i guess that's probably another reason you don't see that a lot is because that's not where people are usually ending their trip through pod they're they're in the dark maze instead so yeah speaking of the dark maze so we're not going to walk you through how to do the dark maze at least not in this episode at some point, I, I imagine we'll probably have a whole episode on dark on uh, dark rooms and, and actually talk about the exact way to get through each one, including this one. Um, but right now, I'll just say uh, it really grinds my gears that those Dodongo things, those Kodongos, they shoot fire and it does not light up the room. Like, that's not how fire works. <laughs> that's that that's special magic crap. fire, man. Come on. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not fair. Um, there's also there's also no torches in here, which really sucks. Because if there was a torch, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. If you had fire rod, you could at least see what you're doing. That's how it is in Aghanim's Tower, at least. You know, there's some mazes in there, but at least they have some torches. There, there's no torches here, so you just have to learn it if you don't have the lantern. Um, so there's two in here, and a bunch of those uh, enemies thrown fire at you. There's a dark maze top near the top left, uh, the the north 
west of the room. And there's Dark Maze Bottom, which is near the south of the room. Um, and then this is also how you would traditionally get to that uh, big chest ledge um, that we saw when we were in the Falling Bridge. And, you know, if you had done a hammer yump, you're basically coming in from the back. And that's one of the reasons you might want to do a hammer yump. Um, but typically people are going to get to this big chest and that's going to be pretty much the last place they had to look before they're ready to go fight Helmosaur King. So speaking of Helmosaur King, with this, we've checked every chest. What do we need to do to get to the big baddie here? Well, we kind of have to retrace our steps, as is often the case with Pod. That's probably also why the mirror comes in so handy in this dungeon. But uh, essentially, depending on where you are, I guess most of the time you'll be mirroring back to the entrance. So let's go from that. Uh, you're going to walk through the middle entrance where the locked door used to be at the very beginning. Go over the right bridge, push that block out of the way again. And make sure to hit that crystal switch to the left of the chest here in the arena room so that the little crystal blocks are out of the way to the east entrance so you can enter that. And once you get back in there, uh, you'll be in a room that you've been to before in, from the bow lock section, just on the lower floor. You might have hammered and jumped down here. Uh, it has a bunch of statues and two rows of three skull pods at the top uh, and a locked door. Uh, if you need some hearts, you can pick up the three skull pots on the left. They each have a heart under them. And on the right side of that, you will find a little switch at the last skull pod in the bag. Now, if you do have the cane of Samaria, I highly encourage you to place a cane block on that switch to keep the door yeah. open. Yeah, that's Come a on. big time save. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in vanilla, you normally do not you won't have the Cane of Samaria here. So this is like a, a special rando-only thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. And uh, there'll be some more of these in the Dark World, where in Vanilla you would not be able to do this, but in Rando, because it's Rando, you can. Yeah, and they're always really fun, I think. I like those little time savers that Rando enables you to do. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, if, you're, if you're unlucky and don't have the Cane of Samaria, what you'll have to do is uh, grab the top right of the statues that are in the room and push it all the way up there. Make sure you actually push it up there and don't pull it up there because you'll be stuck on the button between the statue and the wall and you won't be able to get out. Uh, not that I'm saying that ever happened to me ever. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say because it's slower. <laughs> well, it, no. it is slower. It is, it is yeah, slower. It is yeah. slower. Yeah, you're going to have to push it back out. So uh, well, once you... <laughs> yeah, because you have to push it back out. But also, <laughs> but also uh, in um, in in this game, when you pull on something, there's only one set speed you can do that. But when you push on it, if you move Link back and forth real fast to the left and the right, the game thinks you're moving diagonal. And because of the way this game was programmed or the way the movement works in this game, you move a little bit faster when you're going diagonal. So you can see a visible difference if you wiggle your control pad around and or you know your arrow keys or whatever you're using you will move uh, that that statue uh, significantly faster than if you were just holding it straight uh i have a little tip for you guys here a little secret technique that probably everyone knows about but i'm still gonna mention it okay um what you want to do when you push statues like that and move back and forth to move diagonally is you want to make your diagonal movement as long as possible. So you want to walk to the left or the right as much as you can 
and change directions as little as you can because whenever you change directions there's a couple of frames where you're pushing only up and that puts you at the slower speed so maximizing your diagonal movement while you're pushing statues is gonna be the fastest way to push statues saving those frames actually didn't know that that's very useful yeah, I think that's a very useful thing to know because I see a lot of people just wiggling back and forth and it is faster than normal moving, but it's not as fast as it could be. Okay. I will consider consider me educated. Um all right, cool. Let's let's move on. You got another uh so so we we hit that button. Uh, mm -hmm. that opens up the door. You head through. Um you're going to see a uh spike guy moving around in here and another crystal switch. What I'd like to do is just keep moving as soon as you walk through uh, the, the door. Oh, by the way, that, that uh, mimic room I wanted to mention real quick. You, you have to have arrows to, to kill those guys. Um, so from this point on, we're bow locked. Um, you can't glitch these ones out of existence. Um, yeah. But in Enemizer, I, you know, as we know, that can mix things up quite a bit. In Enemizer, this room might not be bow locked, but that actually doesn't matter at all because the very next room is bow locked no matter what. Um, so anyways, you walk through this door, you keep walking straight through, and that's going to help you avoid that spike guy. You already had your arrows out, or your, your bow out, because you were dispatching those mimics in the other room. So go ahead and shoot an arrow at this uh, crystal, and make your way across the, uh, the, the, the room there at the bottom. Um, you'll see a statue and a dead end. This is where the, uh, the boss of pod is truly bow locked, because you actually do need to hit that with an arrow, and that will make the wall move and it will reveal the basement that lets you go kill Helmosaur King. So you'll get a nice little break. I'd say it's probably about 10 seconds or so. A little cutscene. You can just kind of check your text messages or something like that if you want to. <laughs> um, roll a healthy uh, cigarette. Yeah, roll a, yeah. Roll a cig if you're if you're herpy. Herpy. <laughs> check Not your tracker. Don't um, Don't no, me. Yeah. But uh, nice little pause there. So uh, I'll, I'll walk you through the the basement here. So this is all dark from here on. If you don't have the lamp, you are doing the rest of this dungeon up to Helmasar Dark. Uh, and this is uh, another really tricky one. And uh, I'll tell you why in a minute or two. So you'll you'll walk down these stairs. You're immediately locked in by a bunch of those creepy mole peg hammer things. So if for some reason you've made it all the way here and didn't have the hammer... Uh, congratulations, you uh, you cannot go any further. Come back when you've got the hammer. But uh, presumably you've got it, so hit those guys down. Then there will be a crystal switch in the upper right that you will need to hit. Once again, the trusty red boomerang comes in handy because the blue boomerang will not reach it, but the red one will. So you can use the red boomerang. You can use a Canis Maria block. You can use the hookshot. You can use the bow. You can even use a bomb although i don't think i've ever seen anyone do that because you have to have the bow to have gotten to this point uh but that'll flip the switch and you can get through the lock door the reason that you've got that single extra small key is to get through this door uh, so you open that door and you'll have a little little room that's uh, kind of like a sideways l uh that you'll need to go through there is a turtle in here that will intercept you uh, so you should either take the damage or use your hammer to flip them over. And you will now enter the dreaded turtle murder room. Turtle murder. Turtle mm -hmm. murder. 
Turtle murder. So, if you have the lamp or a fire rod, this room is not so bad. Because uh, you'll have, basically you have, I believe it's six turtles, uh, and you'll need to kill them all to progress. And there are two torches in here, so if you don't have the lamp, you can use a fire rod to light those up and make your life easier. If, however, you do not have the lamp or a fire rod, this room could potentially be one of the hardest dark rooms out there. Because you will need to kill all six of these turtles, and you have no idea where they are, and they are very, you know, you need to both flip them over with your hammer and then hit them again with either your hammer or the sword to kill them. But, of course, with it being dark, you'll have no idea where they are. So uh, this can get very, very tricky in the dark. Even in the light, it can be very hard because you can only really see in that, you know, about 45 degree angle, or not 45, about 30 degree angle cone in front of you. So the turtles could be coming in from the sides, coming in from the back, and uh, it can be very, very tough. Uh, I myself, when I'm in here in the dark, will just spam the hammer uh, and pray that it works. I don't know if either of you have any advice for our listeners, uh, both in the light and in the dark here. Uh, well, the first thing I'll say that I do is if you go straight from where you come down the stair or through that entrance, um, if, if you wait long enough, when uh, th- there's a point where there's going to be four of those turtles around you and one hammer bash will flip all four of them. So that's a great place to start when you've got those four there. Um, after that, I, I don't really have any, you know, I guess technically this could be scripted since I would imagine they probably move the same way every time, but I personally haven't cracked that code where it's the exact same for me every single time. Because um, when you get those four initially, that usually makes it pretty quick. Uh, as far as darkroom strats, good luck, guys. I, I, you know, hopefully we'll be able to dig into that more in a in a future episode. But right now, I would just say do your best. You know. Yeah, I think in the dark this room is exceptionally hard, and in the light it's probably it might be up there with one of the most confusing rooms in Zelda for me because you know sometimes you hammer with the hammer it's probably the easiest. Um, you know, without the hammer, you're going to be kind of stuck. But you hammer, and then they flip over, and then you hammer again to hit them, and it just flips them over again. And there's, like, no rhyme or reason to why it flips them over sometimes or why it hits them sometimes. It's so weird. Yeah, it is. I guess that would be another piece of advice, is if you have a sword that's at least master or better, uh, probably best to use your hammer for flipping and use your sword for killing and yeah. not try to use your hammer for both because you're you if you miss as herf said you're going to accidentally flip them over oh and by the way when you reflip them over they go faster so that's not fun yeah they get really mad yeah so do your best in there um <clears throat> you're eventually once you kill all of them you'll be able to go uh to the uh, east so head through that door there's a fairly simple room where you just push a block a block off to the side and go down the stairs kind of an um, um or into a warp sorry it's kind of kind of an homage to uh, the regular legend of zelda there were some rooms set up that way so that's kind of cool um this takes you to the dark basement i described before but now you're in the middle uh, where you're able to go up to helmosaur king um there's two uh volleys of two turtles each so there's four tur- uh, four total just have your hammer out be ready to take care of those can also be kind of nice to get a, a final heart here at, at this point if you're worried about your health so i know that's always nice um, but once you take those guys out, head up. This is where the big key door is. 
Um, so go ahead and head in there and you'll be face to face with uh, the king himself of Helmosaurus, Helmosaur King. Yeah, so uh, Helmosaur King is uh, got a very interesting setup. So you've got, he'll kind of move around and then there's two attacks he can do. He can uh, swing his tail at you or uh, shoot fireballs at you. And he's he's got a mask on because he's very shy. And uh, it's a very tough mask. It takes 17 hammer swings to break that uh, mask, uh, carapace, whatever it is that he's got on. Um, you also can use bombs to break it, but I don't really recommend doing that because it just can take a while and you've already definitely got the hammer anyway. Um, one trick that you can do to make this a little bit easier for yourself is the spin slash buffer trick. And that is, you uh, you will hold your spin down and, uh, you know, have your sword out like you're going to poke. And that actually makes the hammer hitbox one pixel bigger. So then once you get the mask off, it'll take either one silver arrow or uh, eight regular arrows to take him down. Um, you also could use the sword, uh, your sword, or use the hammer itself. Uh Sword is probably going to be your better bet unless you have Master Sword because Tempered Sword and Hammer are going to do the same. But uh, that's that's the very quick Helmasar explanation. Again, we will probably do a, a longer boss episode at some point, but that is the, uh, I guess, 90 second explanation of how to fight Helmasaur. Yeah, it's really not too tough. It's kind of, kind of a pushover. Nothing really least... to worry about except for those fireballs and, and the tail, I guess. Yeah, at least in the first phase he totally is. In the second phase, if you don't have silver arrows, which definitely makes him a super pushover, he can get sort of annoying at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He moves but, around but, a lot. One other quick thing I wanted to say is when the fireballs come out, they will always come out in a triangle shape, uh, you know, with the top of the triangle pointed to the top of your screen. And when the explosion starts, the explosions will be on a diagonal so they'll come out kind of exploding in an x and the explosions will always work in a clockwise pattern so if you stand perpendicular from those fireballs once they're out and sitting on the battlefield you will not get hit yeah they're super easy to avoid just make sure you're not caught you know slipping all right so that's uh that's pod uh do we want to talk about go moding pod yes i i think we should um, so this this one does work similarly to dungeons we've already discussed in in the in the sense that it um, you have to find the big key in order to get to the boss because you know the next dungeon we talk about Swamp Palace you don't actually even need the big key to get to the boss unfortunately that's not the case for this one um, so you're basically just kind of going through and doing this sort of check you know going through as if you were doing a full clear until you find the the big key. And uh, going that way, but I guess the, the one thing that you can keep in mind as you are go moding that makes it even more important than other dungeons is just that key logic that we've been talking about this whole time. Um, because if you're really up on what's going to have a key, what's going to be a key lock behind a key, it, it's going to save you a lot of time um, when you're not searching for items. If you're able to just make a beeline for places where you could find that big key and then immediately once you find it either backtrack or mirror out and then head down to the basement to Helmsor King. Yeah, the unfortunate business with the dungeons where 
you need to look for the big key is that go modding them can be a lot faster depending on your big key luck but you need a big key and at least one small key to go mod this dungeon so you'll i mean the small keys as we were mentioning they'll probably be easy to come by but that big key could that, that big key could really lead you on a bit of a goose chase there yeah so Axe has assembled uh, in our outline here kind of his take on the <laughs> galaxy brain meme. And I was wondering if you could maybe walk us through, you know, when you're looking at dipping, what what qualifies as what here. Yeah. So so the background on this is, you know, more so than any of the other dungeons we've looked at before, this is the first one where you can really start to make some gambles. I know before we talked about, you know, key stealing in desert and skipping the basement chest in hair, and those are those are plays that well we they they're pretty sensible you can understand what's going on here with pod you get the chance to really make some pretty outlandish gambles yeah. and uh, you know again i i wrote up a a little version of the galaxy brain meme about it um so i'll just kind of verbally describe it uh so kind of the the normal pedestrian you know regular human brain is just doing 100 percent clear that's exactly what we walked through you're never you're never gonna miss anything doing that now let's say you got like a slightly bigger brain um you know maybe maybe some little tendrils flying out of it that's gonna be skipping the vanilla big key uh now maybe your brain's the size of the earth that's gonna be skipping the vanilla big key and skipping the harmless hellway uh get even bigger than that maybe maybe side of the solar system solar system time now yeah. that's going to be skipping the right side that uh, Bolock yeah, stuff skipping all the Bolock stuff now yeah. now your brain's the size of the galaxy you're going to skip the dark maze too and uh are, are any bigger than that you know like like a couple galaxies together you're going to go mode this when you're not even in go mode and when your <laughs> brain confident when your brain is the size of the universe you're gonna come here without even having the bow or the hammer. And that's that's really <laughs> that's the dark man hat. But I mean, you know, all joking aside, the, the the illustration of that is that you can you can go from a very very safe play, which is the 100% clear, to some really absolutely outlandish things. I mean, coming into pod without the bow or without the hammer is a gamble, unlike any gamble we've probably talked about except maybe the desert key steal yeah. it's extremely extremely unlikely to pay off but if it does could put you very very ahead of your opponent you look like a so, genius yeah you will look like a, a, just the <laughs> smartest person playing uh, until you do that and it doesn't work out but uh, again when you're, you're thinking about pod and you're thinking about how you want to route it and how you want to gamble just keep in mind that you've got an opponent and your opponent might be thinking the same thing you're thinking. So don't uh, don't overthink it. Don't think, oh man, you know, I they always skip the harmless hallway, so so I'm gonna check it. Like, no, don't 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 overdo it. If you mm-hmm. think you need to check the harmless hallway, check it. Don't don't try to metagame your opponent here. Yeah. All right. So that's pod. Did we do a good job? You know, I'm actually kind of happy with how it turned out. I'm sure we didn't cover it like a hundred percent perfectly, but I think we did a really good job. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel good too, but I'm sure we're gonna get a lot of fan mail and comments that will point out the uh, the things we've said that are not a hundred percent accurate, which is good actually. Yeah. I, wanna, I want I want that fan mail, and I want people to tell us that we were stupid and idiots because we forgot insert obvious 
idea here. Yeah, please let us let us know. Let's let's continue this conversation. So, all right, that's pod. All right, so wrapping up things here. I'm sure this is a nice long episode. We got a really remarkable email that we got in from a member of the community named Kern Q I R N. I think that's how you pronounce that. Um, just kind of generally talking a little bit about uh, our AGA episode and um, giving us some some additional thoughts about the routing and stuff. It was a very long, well thought out email that they sent in. Um, a little too long to read off, to, to be honest, but I'm going to see about maybe, I think, reaching out to Kern and seeing if they'd be willing to kind of, you know, convert that into a paste bin and then maybe link that. And if people want to, you know, check out the thoughts because they are really good thoughts. Um, you know, we can we can have people do that. I can't guarantee just kind of full, you know, fair warning that we, that's something we'll be able to do for anybody's email that they send in. It's, you know, this is kind of the first time it's happened. So we'll do that. But hey, guys, Temp here. I am actually breaking in to interrupt myself right now. Uh, as I edit the episode, just got a couple of updates for you. Some stuff that I know now that I didn't know back when we recorded this. First of all, Kern did provide us with a link to a pastebin containing the AGA information that they initially emailed to us, so check the description for a link to that. Secondly, I reached out to Fahita Knight, one of the admins of the secondary tournament, the Challenge Cup, and they have put together sort of like a press release that goes into more detail about the Challenge Cup, so check the link for that description or sorry, check the description for that link as well. Um, I felt like I didn't do a great job of explaining the Challenge Cup during the episode, so please do check out that link so you can actually get some info on the tournament. And of course, we'll continue coverage on it as it progresses. And finally, I wanted to say, in addition to the aforementioned email uh, from Kern that we got, we got a lot of listener mail this week. So I wanted to thank you guys so much for that. Rather than address all of it on this episode, though, and flirt with that two-hour runtime, uh, we decided to do something a little different with these other questions. So again, thank you guys so much for sending those. You know who you are. I promise we will address each and every one of them. Just uh, hang tight with us on that. Okay, unpause. Um, you know, if you do ever want to send in a question for us or any other kinds of thoughts like that, you can do so by emailing us at email at gomodepodcast.com. Uh, you can also join our Discord. I'll put a link to that in our description. And you can submit questions and comments and suggestions and also just kind of hang out with us uh, in our Discord. Um, yeah, um, we're, we're there. We we see everybody playing, uh, playing slots with our uh, with podcast bot. <laughs> yeah, yeah you can spot. you can join us in the exciting adventures of flipping coins <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly yeah there's been a lot of people uh testing their luck on the old slot machines with the new bot so that's fun um we also have a twitter at go mode podcast check us out there uh and if you like what you hear uh maybe tell a friend let them know to check us out and uh also if you can leave us an itunes review that's really awesome we we appreciate that uh, so let's see, Axe, how can people get a hold of you? Yep. So as always, the best way is probably through the discord. Um, so if you join there, you can message me and give me all kinds of, uh, thoughts on the, the podcast. If you want to watch me play rando very badly, uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitch and that is S A underscore Axial, A X E I L. All right. And Herfy Durfy. Yeah, the same for me as with the other two guys. You can find me on the Discord, very obviously. And uh, 
My Twitch is twitch.tv slash herfydurfy. Uh, I'm streaming some rando, some other stuff, whatever I'm feeling up to. So feel free to check it out. Awesome. And I am also on Twitch, twitch.tv slash temp underscore, if you want to watch me play some randomizer. Uh, and of course, Twitter actually is a pretty good way to get in touch with me too, because I'm, I'm on the at Go Mode podcast account, following people, talking about rando, retweeting people. Um, if you are stream, someone who likes to stream rando and you're looking for more people to watch you play, if you tweet about it and you're a follower, I'll probably follow you back and I'll probably retweet those. So, um, you know, consider following at Go Mode podcast if you're a fan. Uh, I believe that is going to about do it for us. Uh, this is a nice long one, but uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, Axe, why don't you uh, why don't you do the honors this time? All right, let's uh, mirror out. <laughs> <laughs>